I've been here a few times through the years, uh, all from the day one of the beginning of this church. Uh, And uh, to stand here today and see all of you here and see these facilities is is just an absolute miracle. You may not realize it, but it's an absolute miracle of God that you're a part of today, something that no one believed could happen. And God gave us even more than we thought we could ever get uh, in this place. And so we praise the Lord for you. And I'm going to talk to you about something I know that you know a whole lot about. You may may know as much as I know about uh, what I'm going to be talking about today. My mother-in-law told me years ago that if you eat sauerkraut on New Year's Day, that you'll receive money during that year. Good German proverb there, I think. Uh, We eat Coney Island's uh, hot dogs at our house. We, We don't guarantee that, they don't guarantee that we're going to get rich but they sure do taste good. I'm sure uh, that you have your own family traditions about New Year's Day that you look at and, and there's something that you do that says uh, in the family that uh, it's, we're going to be, we're going to have good luck this year. We're going to have a good year this year. We're going to have wealth and health and happiness and all of that. Well, you can eat all the sauerkraut in Blunt County if you want to, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a good year. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to have better health and more money and more happiness in your, in your new year. But there is one thing that I can guarantee you that you're going to have this year, in this new year, whether you eat sauerkraut or not. I guarantee that you are going to be tempted in this new year. Guarantee it's going to happen. In fact, we're already into it about 42 days. How many of you have already been tempted in the first 42 days? I see all of you didn't raise your hand because you've already been tempted to lie. (laughs) You lied right here in God's house, right in, in, in this place. See, many of us this year may face the temptation to maybe take something that doesn't belong to us. We may be tempted to hate something or somebody or some political party. We may be tempted to lust after something that we really don't need to desire, but we do. Uh, and, and many more will face the temptation to become bitter because something happened that you didn't like and didn't, you didn't want to do or something happened along the way that just made you turn to be bitter. Some of you are going to hold a grudge this year. You're going to develop a grudge inside. Maybe some of you might even go so far as to be tempted to give up on your marriage. Some of you may be willing to, to be tempted to seek revenge or get even with somebody for something they said or did to you. Or sadly, some of you may even be tempted to give up on serving the Lord this year. So as we continue into the new year of 2024, I want to try to help prepare you for those temptations that you're going to face this year. They will come. Don't ever doubt that. They will come. But I want to try to help you understand what the Bible says about it so that you will be able to deal with them in the proper way. I want to prepare you for the test, for the temptations that everyone here is going to face 
in this new year. We're looking at Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, notice the if you are the Son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. So the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. That's a little bit of power, isn't it? And he said to him, I will give you all their authority, the power, the splendor, for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil the third time led him to Jerusalem and and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, still he's not saying he is, he's just saying if you are, still doubting, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it says, the Bible says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until the opportune time. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you will bless this message, that it might be whatever needs to be said, not one word less, not one word more than what your people need to hear as we face this coming year and the temptations that are going to be there. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to have some good days and bad days this year. You know that, don't you? That's not news to you. Um, but you're going to be tempted every day this year to sin, do something wrong that you shouldn't do in some way because the Bible teaches that there is a spiritual war going on inside all of us. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, Ephesians tells us, but we're wrestling, wrestling against evil powers in dark places. We're wrestling in a battle against evil, uh, the evil that we, we might do, we could do, but we're fighting and getting and trying not to do uh, along the way. Luke in chapter 3, uh, before us, Jesus is baptized by John. He comes down into the, the water, and he's beginning to, he's going to start his ministry. And so as he walks down into the water, John looks up at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the whole world. And the people are there, crowds are there watching uh, John as he baptizes for repentance uh, along the way. And then Jesus walks down into the water, and John baptizes him. And then in that process, it says when he was raised up that the Holy Spirit of God descended like a dove down upon Jesus after he was baptized. 
And the people around there must have seen that. That Holy Spirit must have been visible to them. And they heard the voice of God himself say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What a day that was. I mean, it... It, it must have been one of the greatest days of his life up to that point. And the Holy Trinity is there at the baptism of Jesus. The Creator God is speaking around. The Holy Spirit is revealing himself, and Jesus' Son is being, uh, is being baptized. So for the first time in the New Testament, in the Bible, the, the, the Holy Trinity of God is all there at the baptism of Jesus. It was a very, very, very good day for Jesus. And then the Bible says immediately. Didn't waste any time. The devil didn't waste any time as Jesus begins his ministry. Immediately. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and led, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those 40 days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. 40 of the worst days of his life and no food after the best day of his life. Some of us can't go 40 minutes without wanting something to eat. In that weakened condition, the devil attacks him. In that weakened condition, after the highest point in his life up to that point, that's when the, the temptations come. And he's, he's, he's tempted uh, with the same things that you and I are tempted to be able to, to deal with. It's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the eyes, and it's the pride of life, the Bible says, that we deal with. The lust of the, the flesh is that we desire to meet the physical needs of the flesh. Eating bread, nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, but, but, but the desires that we have along the way, the, the things that make us feel good physically is what we have. Uh, and Jesus says, man won't live by bread alone. You can't just live the kind of life you want to live or need to live just to be, be able to feed your body and, and provide those things, sensations for your body. It's not going to work for you. It won't give you what you're, you're looking for and what you desire in life. It's the lust of the eyes. The devil led him to a high place, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in an instant, the Bible says. If Satan can do that, do you think you won't ever get in a ring with him? Do you think you ever want to get in a discussion with the devil? Well, yeah, maybe that, that may not be too bad. Maybe I could do it once or maybe just try go this. You don't ever want to get into a discussion with the devil because he will just whip you up one side and down the other. It's, it's the, the lust of the, the eyes that he gives you. The, the devil led him to that high place and showed him all the kingdom's uh, of the world. You see, politicians and kings derive their power from brute force by using lies very, very cleverly disguised as the truth by the size of their armies. They, 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 get, they put out hate and they put out fear. And in this political system that we have now, you see it. Uh, the, the, the hate and the fear are the whips that the politicians and kings use to motivate the crowds 
so they can have power over the crowds. Jesus didn't come seeking power over us. He said, I did not come to be served. I came to be a servant. So Jesus said to that temptation, uh, the lust of the the eyes, he said, uh, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then there was the pride of life. Uh, Satan took Jesus to the highest pinnacle uh, in the temple, and he said, again, if you are the Son of God, always always put a question mark, always put a doubt uh, in your mind about whether God is able to do what God says he's able to do. But if you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down from here. Show the people the miraculous power that you have. Uh, and if you are the Son of God, uh, they will follow you wherever you go. They'll do whatever you want if you just show them all your power. If you just answer every prayer exactly the way the people want you, you to, if you, if you heal every disease for all of your, your followers, if you provide all the money that they'll ever want, if you make sure that bad things never happen to good people, they'll follow you anywhere. And they'll do anything you want them to do. If you do those things... You see, millions of people will be compelled to follow you. Well, not out of love, of course. They'll follow you because you're protecting them and you're giving them the good life. But they won't follow you just because they love you. Do not put the Lord, your God, to a test. And then Jesus ended the temptation. And I want you to go on to see what Paul said about temptation. I I, I want you to kind of dissect it. I want to do an autopsy uh, on on what temptation is and and what it's not in, in some cases as well. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says it this way. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. What's what's missing in all the temptations of Satan upon Jesus? What's mentioned to him uh, about uh, what's, what's not mentioned anywhere in any of the three temptations? I didn't hear anything about a cross, did you? There was nothing about a, a cross. There was nothing about sacrifice this, Jesus, and, and, and give up this, and don't do this, none of that. There, there was no sacrifice. There was no suffering. There was no talk about servanthood. But yet the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So if there is no no cross, then there's no forgiveness. If there's no forgiveness, then there's no salvation. If there's no salvation, there's no hope for any of us. So what's Satan trying to do with all these temptations? What's a little bread? What's another miracle uh, along the way? What's what's he trying to do? He isn't trying to kill Jesus. He knows he can't do that. He's trying to keep him from fulfilling his purpose in coming to this earth. 
That was the temptation. All these other things just were trying to direct his attention somewhere else, make him look somewhere else, look in some other kind of, uh, of direction. He knows he can't take his life. He isn't trying to kill him. He's trying to keep you and me from fulfilling the purpose God has created us to accomplish in our little lives. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible says. The thief is Satan. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. What, what, what Jesus is saying is you and I are unique individuals. We are a unique, one-of-a-kind creation of God. He gave you a plan, and he gave you a purpose in your life. You've had your dreams along the way. Satan's purpose is to keep you from fulfilling that purpose, keep you from, from following God's plan for your life, keep you from following that, that vision that you've had about, I thought I could have, I should have, I wanted to, I might have. Uh, it, it stopped you from being able to follow the vision that God has placed in your life and moved you in the direction of. He doesn't need to kill you to do that. He just needs to steal your dream. He just needs to kill your vision. He just needs to destroy your ability to fulfill your God-given purpose in life. If he does that, then you're just going to live a defeated life and he'll let you go on and on and on. Jesus had a God-given purpose in his life just like you and I do. Satan wasn't tempting him to do something that was evil. There's nothing wrong with bread, nothing wrong with feeding the hungry, right? We can all do that. We can all do that. We try our best to, to help out those who, who need, need those things in life. Nothing wrong with eating bread, nothing wrong with performing miracles. He did it over and over and over again, didn't he? He was simply being tempted to not follow God's plan for his life and become the sacrificial lamb of God who would take away the sin of the whole world. Do it some other way. Stay away from the cross. Don't go near the cross. I have a God-given purpose in my life. You have a God-given purpose in your life, all of God's people have a God-given purpose in life. Satan will do anything he can, use any temptation he can to prevent us from fulfilling God's perfect will for us to become everything that God wanted us to, created us to become. First thing it says is, you don't pick your temptation, your temptation picks you. You don't get to choose what your, your temptation is. You may think you do, but you don't. The devil knows where you are and what you need and, and uh, to be able to go in the wrong direction. No temptation has seized you, 1 Corinthians says, except what is common to man. The, the word seized means to... Uh, to, to grab hold of something, to take hold of that, and, and to hang on to it. 
You don't just reach out and grab it. You, you seize something. You get it in such a bear hug uh, in your life that you're not going to let go of it. You're going to do anything. All your strength, every muscle is going to be geared to be able to hold on to that which you, you are seizing. Uh, and, and it means that you not only seize it, but it just you hang on to it doggedly and stubbornly. And I, I know some of us struggle with the same temptation. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And if you're a Christian struggling with temptation, you know what happens? After a while, when you come to the place where you begin to doubt, maybe I'm not saved. You know, it's always there in front of me. It always seems to kind of walk into my life and it's always there at the wrong time and the wrong place and the wrong person. Maybe I'm not really saved. Because if I was really saved, then maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. No, you're going to be tempted. And if you're a Christian struggling with temptation after a while, you start doubting. And you know what happens? Uh, you develop a stronghold. The Bible calls it a stronghold. Now, that's, that's another couple of sermons for you down the road. But uh, uh, we develop strongholds, and those temptations have a stronghold upon us, and they determine, sadly, whether or not we finish what God's called us to do and what He's called us to be uh, or, or not. We teach our children... If, if they don't do their homework, they're going to get in trouble. But if they do their homework and they work hard at it and they do it well, then everything's going to be good for them. If they do the right things, everything's going to turn out right. There's only one thing wrong with that logic. It isn't true. It's not true at all. Sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes you can do all the right things and end up doing everything wrong. Circumstances can happen that take our lives completely out of our control. Happens all the time. You go in for a routine annual physical that changes your life forever. You made plans to pay off the car so you could buy that new house, but you didn't know your company was downsizing and you'd lose your job after 20 years of work. Listen to me, folks. You don't get to choose the challenge that you're going to face this year. You're going to face the challenge, I promise you. I guarantee that. You're going to, get, you're going to face that temptation, but you don't get to choose what it is. You didn't choose to have a rebellious child that's almost destroyed your family. You didn't choose to come home to an empty house with empty closets because your, your spouse walked out on you. You, didn't, you never thought you would be, end up being a, a single mom. You, you thought you were going along pretty good in life, and then it was all taken away from you by temptation. You may remember your parents telling you as, as a child that that good behavior produced good things. But now you know firsthand it's not true. When you come to that realization, then you can be tempted to become cynical. 
And, and you can be tempted to say, well, what good does it do to work hard then if things are still going to end up in a bad way? Well, what, what good does it do to be faithful uh, to God? What good does it do to be a good husband or a good wife? Or what, what good does it do to serve the Lord and try to do what's right? You're seized by a temptation. You're taken by a temptation that you weren't prepared to face in 2024. But then secondly, that verse says, no temptation has seized you, but what is common to man? Now, most of our temptations are secret and, and they're personal tests that nobody else knows that we're struggling with, Amen. We keep it in locked up inside. We don't even tell our wives or our husbands, you know, uh, what that is. Certainly don't tell our parents. And because it's so personal, you may think that you're the only one who's ever faced or is facing that temptation along the way. You think you're the only one having to endure an unhappy marriage. You think you're the only one on the edge of depression. The only member of the church dealing with a rebellious teenager. Listen to me, folks. I don't know what your problem is. You don't know what my problem is. But somebody else, your, your problem is in common. It's a common thing. Many people suffer from the same thing you suffer from. Your circumstances are common. Your temptations are common. I pastored for over 50 years. And part of being a pastor is that many people will share their heartfelt problems with you. And so many people came along through the way, through those years, and, and uh, they don't, we, we don't admit our problems when we think we have control of them, but when our life spins out of control, they come to their pastor sometimes and they spill it out there and, and tell me, I think I've heard about everything that can be said and done, and I thought that, but every time I said that, somebody came in and proved me wrong. So here's what I want you to understand about your personal temptation. Your secret sin isn't much different from the person over here's secret sin. Or the temptation you're struggling with today isn't any different than the one that somebody over here is struggling with today. Temptations come from the outside, they come from the inside. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, Baptist or Methodist. Your temptation is a common temptation for people uh, along the way. Some of you are struggling with loneliness. Some of you are struggling with despair today. You're, you're desperate and, and you may be tempted to do something drastic and that will just make matters worse for you. There's a young mother with little, ch with little children all around her who's already said to her young husband, I don't think I can take any more. Well, I just warn you, if you think it's bad now, wait till they become teenagers. Some of you are asking, will I ever get out of debt? Will I, will I ever get my dream job? Will I ever get my children raised? Will I ever go back to school? Will I ever get out of this situation I'm in? And on top of all those feelings, you're also overwhelmed with guilt because you're a Christian and you're supposed to be perfect. And you're not supposed to have these kinds of, of problems 
uh, along the way. You, you know you shouldn't feel that way, and you're thinking, I shouldn't be facing this kind of temptation at my age. Read that scripture with me again. But such as is common to man. It's a common thing for us to deal with. So I, I hope this will help you a little bit. Uh, somebody else in this room has already gone through what you're going through today. And they made it through without giving in to their temptation. They're living proof that you don't have to yield to your temptation, that you can overcome it, you can gain the victory from it, you can defeat it. They did it. Thousands of others have done it before you, and so can you. And then number three, it says, in a, in a changing world, God is unchangeable, but God is faithful, period, is what it says. It, it doesn't say that I'm faithful. It doesn't say you are faithful. It doesn't say your wife or husband is faithful. It doesn't say your kids are faithful. It doesn't say your church is faithful. It says that God is faithful. And all of us need something in our lives that doesn't shake, rattle, and roll. Thanks to Bill Haley in the comments. You know, our, our lives don't shake, rattle, and roll. Uh, we, we don't want that to happen. But it happens. I lost my beautiful wife of 55 years six years ago. But I'm here to tell you, God is faithful. Fifteen months ago, the doctor said, I needed open-heart surgery. <laughs> that was fun. But I can tell you that God is faithful. Some of you may bury a loved one this year, but I'm here today to tell you God's faithful. Has anybody ever found that to be true besides me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I could say that I've always been faithful, but there have been times when I got tired, I got lazy, and I got angry. I was frustrated and yielded to those temptations that demonstrated that I wasn't always faithful. So don't look at me that way because I know you haven't always been faithful either. But even though you and I haven't always been faithful, you know what? God's always been faithful. He's promised us that he always will. They always say, what is it? God is good. And all the time, that's right. I don't need someone to be faithful when I'm right. I need someone who's faithful when I messed it up, when I've blown it, when I missed the mark along the way. When, when everybody else gives up on you, God is still faithful. And God is faithful to you all the time in all of your circumstances. Some people don't go to church weekly. They go when they feel like it or when they don't have anything better to do, right? I go to church to feed on God's Word. I go to church because I need to arm myself for, for those days when I'm under attack from the enemy and the temptations are flying all around me to make the wrong decision. Some of you had to get up earlier than your body wanted to get up this morning, right? 
You had to drag your sleepy self all the way to the church. And then you got to the church and you struggled to find a good parking place. And then you struggled to find a good seat in the back row. But I've got good news for you today. Here's your message in in just a few words. God is faithful. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you'll go through this, this coming year, the rest of this year. But I know that God's going to be faithful every day of the year. God's going to give you what you need to make it through another week. But you need to come back next week because you leak. And the Holy Spirit leaks out of you. Uh, and, and it happens to me, and, and you and I need a constant refilling of the power of God to overcome all the temptations that we have to face in life. God never makes a promise he can't keep. And his promise to you this year, you need to remember is, God is faithful. And then number four, he strengthens you for the test. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That means that God has prepared for you, uh, prepared you for every temptation that you're going to face this year. Uh, Everything is already in place. He's already put inside of you the power, uh, whatever it takes to be able to overcome the temptation that's waiting on you in the month of June, the month of August, the month of December of this year. He's he's got it all together. He's already given you the strength to overcome. He only allows tests in us that correlate with our ability to deal with them. The glass in our windows is called annealed glass. Uh, Just regular glass that we we have in our doorways and our windows. It It is built to be able to break when it reaches 6,000 pounds per square inch on that, on that window, and, and it will crash. Tempered glass is the kind of glass we have in our cars. A little bit different, we know, right? A little bit tougher. Tempered glass is the glass in our cars. It's regular glass that has been heated to over 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit, And then cooled or quenching, they call it, quenched rapidly. It's built to break when it reaches 24,000 pounds per square inch. You're not going to break it nearly as easily as you're going to break a window pane. I think that's a good description of what every Christian needs to be, a tempered Christian like tempered glass. God has so constructed you as a Christian that you can handle any of the temptations that he allows to come into your life. He then watches over you. He then guides you. He then makes help and and puts things in you to make sure that nothing comes into your life that is too strong for you to handle. And when something happens to you this new year that puts pressure on you and you feel like you're going to break, if you're a tempered Christian, 
I want you to know you can handle it. Or else God wouldn't have allowed it. Has anyone ever come up to you when, you, when you've gone through a temptation and you've been under the pressures of life? and Have, have they ever said to you, boy, I, I wish, wish I had your faith? See, most people don't know what it costs to be a tempered Christian and continue to resist temptation and remain faithful when your life is under pressure. They don't know that you have to fight every day where you are to keep your life together. They don't know how tough it is to be you. They don't know the deaths and the sicknesses and the bills and the defeats that you've had to face along the way. They don't understand that you also get to the point where you have felt, if one more thing happens to me today, I quit. When I am being tested, I may cry, but I can handle it. I may feel sorry for myself, but I can handle it. I may look like I'm going to break, but I can handle it. See, something has been added to a tempered Christian that enables him or her to stand in the midst of the storm. You may not know that you have that strength until you have gone through the test. So this year, put on your big boy pants. Look life in the face and say, God wouldn't have given me this job. God wouldn't have given me this child. God wouldn't have given me this situation or this ministry if I couldn't handle it. I'm the man or the woman for the job. Somebody over here, well, maybe they couldn't handle it, what you're going through, but you can handle it. Someone over here may not be strong enough to gain the victory over the test that you're going through, but you can do it. You can handle it. If God has allowed that test into your life, you can do it because you were built by God. You were strengthened by God's Holy Spirit. You were tempered by God. And that means you can handle every temptation that you ever face in this year or any other year because our God is faithful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the the power of your word. Lord, we've read some things, but we don't really understand the life that you want us to have, the life that you have promised us. So I pray today that that we would all find a a, a new sense of, of understanding of who you are, the faithful God who is there for us and provides for us in everything and in every situation. Life isn't fair. Sometimes bad things do happen to good people. 
But God, we know that in every circumstance, in every situation, you'll be there for us. So I pray as we continue through 2024, facing things like we've all heard about already, where good people lose their lives because of others' carelessness, that you will help us to go forward in this year, learning how to be tempered Christians so that we can be able to just do what you said and stand and stand up strongly to be able to face life and to be able to know that our God is in control and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you're doing in our lives and what you're going to do as we serve you as tempered Christians this new year. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.